You're listening to The Riverwalk, the preaching ministry of Beth River Baptist Church in Winsboro, Louisiana. Today we continue our study of James, and we're going to talk about how it's getting close for harvest season. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy. If you have a Bible, we are just about through with James. We're going to read a few verses today, five verses today, and then we'll finish it next week. And it's exciting because I've already wrote it for next week. Uh, James has been such a great book. I hope you're not getting bored with it. We've read about counting all joys and trials and temptations, something we know about. We've read about how we're to be doers and not only hearers of the word. We've read about treating everybody the same, about a true faith, faith followed by works. Faith without works is dead. We've read about the power of the tongue and how we should talk to each other and uh, the kind of vocabulary we should use. We've read about mentoring the next generation. We've read about pride and humility. We've read about the frailty of human life. We've read about the sin of commission and omission. Last week, we read about serving two masters. We read about how, you know, you can't serve riches and mammon, referring to Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 6. And today, we're going to read a little bit more about being patient and persevering. We base this all about humility. Because in James 4.10, it says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. Written by the brother of Jesus, saying in those words... I want to approach this week just a little bit different, just a little bit different because this week I want to share a little bit of a testimony this week. This week I I want to share with you how this passage we're going to share today really touched me personally. Um, You know, you can read a book over and over and over again and see it, see it differently And I don't know how everybody else preaches an exegetical type sermon. I don't know how every other preachers do it. But what I do, I've read this book several times over the last month. It's only five chapters. And and every week after I read it, I go back and I read for next week. So last Sunday night, I read what we're going to read today. And I want to tell you, over the last month, I don't know if y'all care about it like I care about it, but I was really, really concerned about last week. Last Saturday night, y'all probably saw it on me, and I'm sorry if you did, but last Saturday night, I probably didn't sleep three hours, if that. I, I mean, I was a nervous wreck about that vote last week. And, and I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, I wasn't really worried about the outcome, because I knew that God's ultimately in control. And, and I really feel in my heart that, that I handled it and we handled it the best way we possibly could. Yet I knew, I knew that I knew that I knew just like you all know, there was no way, no shape, form or fashion that we were going to leave and everyone was going to be happy about it. That's just not going to happen. But And I also knew that, that at the end of the day, it's, it's really not my job to do that. It's not my job to make everybody happy. And it's a good thing because that's impossible to do. It's my job as an under-shepherd to, to lead you and guide you along the path of righteousness. And I really thought last week, I really thought, I did think that we were going to the beach last Sunday. I thought, I just want to get this thing over with and go to a beach far away. But then I realized it was this week. But anyway, I just want to share with you, even after all that, even after I thought it would be over, after I thought I would have a peace, I want to tell you this shepherd still left a little bit troubled. 
And I left and I just thought about it in my head. Lord, I hope that I'm remembered for more than the pastor that killed Sunday night services. And you see, that's just things that's on my heart and things that might be on your heart. So I did just what I've instructed you all to do. I just laid it out to God and I said, God, I just need a little bit of confirmation. I need a little bit of peace about the whole situation. So I did, just like I told you, I go right on Sunday night and I read what we're going to talk about the next week. And the first words that I read is in James chapter 5, verse 7. That's right where we left last week. And those words says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. I read that and I... I saw it in a different light this last week, even though, like I said, I've read it several times this month. And I thought about it, and, and even last week I, I spoke to a farmer that, that doesn't go to this church, and he shared with me that, that the corn is over. They've stopped watering the corn. It's entering a new season. Now, God's still watering the corn, but they're done with it. And you know, as those crops grow, crops have their own seasons, they have seasons of seedlings, and then they come up as little sprouts, and then they're lush green plants where they're guzzling up water. Then they're self-sufficient. Sometimes the crops have seasons of really good weather, and, and they have seasons of re really bad weather. The corn even sometimes has to face hurricanes. And I think about it in Ecclesiastes, I think it's in chapter Chapter 3, right at the beginning of the book, Solomon says, To everything there's a season, just like the crops have a season. And I got to thinking about that, and, and I thought about it, just like everything else, churches have seasons too. Churches enter seasons as well. There was a season in Beth River Baptist Church where it was planted in 1901. When it was planted, when it began right here in Liddyville. Wasn't in this building, but still, that's when it all started here. There was a season when the church did not meet on Sunday morning and Sunday night. In 1913, the church only met on the first and third Saturdays of every month. Through the years, through over a hundred years now, there's been seasons of great unity in Beth River Baptist Church. And there's also been seasons of great division. There's been seasons at Beth River Baptist Church of great, great growth. And there's also been seasons of decline. And as I thought about that, as I read that, I just, I come to the conclusion. I really believe that, that last week, or maybe even today, that Beth River Baptist Church is entering a new season. And here's the truth about it. A new season does not have to be a bad season if we're adequately prepared for what's coming. And James was writing them, and, and this is what he referred to even back in chapter 1. He says, Look, be patient, guys. Be patient. Count it all joys. You're going to experience some things that don't make sense, but be patient. So what's coming? What's coming? And well, let's keep on reading in chapter 8. It talks about the farmer waiting patiently. Till it receives the early and latter rain. And then in verse 8 he says, You also be patient. Establish your hearts. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. 
Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord. That the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, lest you fall into judgment. I read this and see, here's the thing that that I realize today. What's to come? There is one big event that we're waiting for, and that is the coming of the Lord. Verse 8, he says, Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. I want you to understand something, church. And many people do this in the age we live in. You, you can go get on YouTube. You can get on Facebook. You can get on TikTok or whatever the case may be. And you will see believers arguing about a few things. Some Christians believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. Some believe in a mid-tribulation rapture. Some believe in no rapture at all. But there is no disagreement whatsoever amongst anybody that calls themselves a Christian, that Jesus is coming back. That's what we're waiting for. Jesus is coming back. Jesus said, I come quickly. Jesus told the church that whenever he left and he told the churches in Revelation, I'm coming back quickly. Nobody, no Christian disagrees on that. It could be today. It could be before the service is over. If it was at hand then, the first book written in the New Testament, how much more so now in 2021? And I want to share that with you because, see, what tends to happen today, we've got some things so mixed up. We go right to Revelation, what was written the last, instead of going to James, what was written the first. And so many times, especially young people, we hear Jesus is coming back. We get images of Jesus coming to get his church. We get images of a mark of the beast. We get images of great tribulation. But look, James is telling them, be patient. The coming of the Lord is at hand. He says in verse 9, behold, the judge is standing at the door. There's a little exclamation mark on that. It was never meant to be something to scare us. For the Christian, this is an encouragement. I don't know why Christians today seem busier looking for the Antichrist than looking for the Christ. This is something that should get us excited. This is a good thing. This isn't something to be scared of. No matter what happens, just like the song that Lester and Raymond and y'all sung earlier, what a day that will be, flying or dying, I'm going to see Jesus. Praise the Lord. So look, we need to worry a little less. And we need to get a little more excited and we need to get our affairs in order. And look, it's the same about this season for the church. Instead of being sad about the things of the past. Instead of being sad about things not being the way they once were. Maybe today your pastor included needs to get a little bit excited about how great the things may be. Let's stop not only looking at our past. We shouldn't forget it. But listen, let's start preparing for our future. And that's what James said to do. And let me tell you something. Last Sunday night when I read this, when I woke up on Monday morning, I woke up in a whole different, different spirit. Because let me tell you something. 
I am excited. I am excited about this season because guess what? Every time a season changes, that means we are one season closer to harvest. We're one season closer to harvest. We are one step closer to Jesus coming back for his church. And praise the Lord, I am excited about that. I'm excited. It's almost time to rest. It's almost time. It's almost time when Jesus comes down and gathers his church. It's almost time that we're in the place where we were meant to be. It's almost time where we will be in perfect harmony. It's almost time where there will be no hip surgeries like Wayne's got to deal with. It's almost time where there will be no division. There will be nobody in Washington, D.C. And to be honest, I don't know if, if we'll even see them people ever again. But guess what? It's about to be over with. That season is coming. The harvest is coming. It is coming when Jesus is going to separate the weeds from the true stuff. It's coming. So listen, I'm excited. I woke up excited. I woke up Monday and I, I, I got in touch with Mandy. I got a budget. I, I, I talked to different people this week and I just got focused because, hey, I don't know if I'll see it in my lifetime or not, but I know that I know this. That we're one season closer. James told him to do a few things, four things, until that day comes. And it's been a long time since James wrote this, but the instructions are still the same. First off, he told him to be patient. Right there in verse 7, he says, Be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. And I want to tell you, just because we're a season closer, just because we are close to our Lord, in this life, we are going to have good times. We are going to have bad times. In this church, we'll have that. In this church and in my life, in my marriage, in my family, with my children, there's going to be highs, there's going to be lows. There's going to be times of sickness. There's going to be times of health. But I want to tell you, God's not forgot. He's still coming. He reminds them of, of heroes in times past in verse 10. He goes, you know what? Just look at the past. Then he goes even further than that. He goes, you know what? Go back and look at Job. Look at all he dealt with and see that God still intended it for good. So listen, when, not if, but when sickness hits, when breakups happen, when loved ones die, when sin seems to win, never, ever, ever forget this truth that Jesus is coming back. I'm looking for him. I'm looking for him. It can't, it can't get much worse. It can't get much worse. He's coming. So he told us to be patient. But he also told us something today that I really, really think is important that we as believers grab a hold of. And that's in verse 8. You also be patient. And then he says, establish your hearts. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Establish your hearts. And I want to tell you, please don't be an ungrounded Christian. It's something so amazing to me. I, I'm not a farmer, but, and not all of you are either, but you live here and you've seen some of the most amazing things. That corn, if there was a hurricane to come, we've seen it. It, it would be damaged, but they would still be in harvest. That corn is rooted, it's grounded. So listen, we need to be grounded too. When you're not grounded as a Christian, it leads to doubt, it leads to worry, it leads to anxiety, and it leads to trouble. So listen, establish your hearts. Make the decision today to establish your heart. Establish your faith by worship, 
by true worship. Establish your faith by devotion. Man, there should never be a day that you don't dig in that Bible and you look to hear from the Lord. By prayer and by standing, standing firm in the faith. Look, I I just want to tell you, church, and I, I really, I want you to listen to me and I want you to hear me today. There is 168 hours in the week. If you can give your job 40, you can absolutely give your God two. I mean, that's not even 10%. If you can give 40 hours to your job, I mean, go look at your screen time on your phone. How much time are you spending on social media? You can absolutely give your God two hours at Beth River Baptist Church. Look, the judge is standing at the door, James wrote it. There's no reason... No reason at all where you can't be a part of a Sunday school or a small group. And there's no reason at all where you can't be here one day a week to worship the Lord. And I would dare say most of you could be here three. We're going to read about prayer next week. James was so very clear. We're called to be doers and not only hearers of the word. But let me tell you, so many Christians today aren't even hearers. And we're, we believe and we're waiting for Jesus to come back. Well, look, I want Jesus to find me humble. I would love for him to come back on a Sunday morning because I know where he'll find me. Where would he find you? Three hours a week, two hours a week. Establish your heart. James wanted these believers to be established. And then he said something else very important. He said, don't grumble against one another in verse 9. Don't grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing, standing at the door. Last week in the first part of this chapter, we read about the rich and how they were treating the believers. And these believers, they had enough trouble with the wealthy that were berating them. And I just want to tell you, church, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't seen that here, praise the Lord, but it could happen here. And Christians, we have enough trouble. We have enough trouble with the world's and Satan's attack on Christians. Don't let your tongue be his tool. That's one of the reasons that James wrote them just a few chapters earlier where he said, hey, your tongue is powerful, so don't let your tongue be a tool. So don't grumble against one another. The judge standing at the door. And I just want you to know, You've seen seasons of that, whether it's in this church or a different church. When a church enters a season of dispute, Jesus gets lost in the mix every single time. I know it. You know it. James knew it. And he said, hey, the judge is coming, so don't, don't dispute. Don't grumble against one another, especially against your brothers and sisters in Christ. And now we come to a point. In verse 12, that, that sounds a little bit strange because he, he places a big emphasis on this in verse 12. He says, but above all, like this is really important. This is just really important above everything else, my brethren. Do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, lest you fall into judgment. Some read that. Some read that and they think that this is a commandment not to take an oath. But if you go back in the Old Testament, you'll see where, where they took oaths. 
But really, in reality, most likely, this is a command for Christians to be authentic. You see, in James's day, whenever this was written, people were so dishonest. The only way you could believe anybody was to take an oath. And James is saying, hey, you don't need to do that no more. What he's saying now is for the Christian, be authentic. For the Christian, people need to look at you and they need to know that they know that they know that they can trust you. They need to know that when you say yes, it's yes. When you say no, it's no. Whenever you say you're a follower of Jesus, then doggone it, you're a follower of Jesus. And that's important. Above all, I would do just like James says, above all. It is very, very possible to believe everything we've read in James thus far and yet not be authentic. Because Jesus isn't coming back for those that only pay lip service. Jesus is coming back from the real deal. Jesus isn't coming back for someone that just repeated a simple prayer and had no real repentance. Jesus isn't coming back for somebody that just got dunked in a tub of water. He's coming back for somebody that had a real baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's coming back for somebody that knows His gift and accepted His gift, that is bearing fruit, somebody that is grafted in with Him, the authentic, the real deal, somebody that can say, Jesus is my Savior and really, really means it. So above all, above all, above everything we've read thus far, I really, really, really hope you can say that if Jesus, if Jesus came back today, if He's standing at the door and He opened that door today, I hope He could look at you and just say, man, that's, that's the real deal. And let, let's go. Let's get this thing over with. This is the day of the Lord. It's over with. Maybe we'll see it in our lifetime. You know, I read this and, and I'm just sure, I'm just sure that James and Peter and Paul, I really think they all thought that they would see the return of Christ in their lifetime. But even though they didn't, they were so authentic. When they said that I would die for Christ, they literally died for Christ. And they were happy to do it. Listen, church, in this new season... In this new season, are, are you authentic? Are you the real deal? Is your yes, yes? Is your no, no? If not, then I just pray that we get it right this morning. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the message. I hope you understood it. And I hope you're ready for the return of Jesus. Have a great week, guys.